So I see a lot of uh, little plastic envelopes by people's seats. That's great. <clears throat> and uh, just acknowledging the, the power of ritual. So ritual isn't something that's particularly honoured in the modern consumerist world, but uh, it, is, it does have a power and a language. And uh, since, you know, cell phones have become the most absorbing um, item for most, in most people's lives these days, we wanted to just make a little ritual and make a real focused and clear renunciation of, of the cell phone. Because it is so, so easy just to say, ah, oh, it's all right, you know, I'll just keep it. So um, I will begin. <laughs> and I just have to I want to show you because you probably don't see these very often. <laughs> so it's, oh, you go on too. <laughs> nice relic. Yeah. So. Please come up. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Sadhu means it is good, it is good, it is good. So I hope that will support um, a peaceful and easeful retreat. Emily, are you going to take care of it after you? Yeah? 
So then at the end of the retreat, you can go to the front office and uh, you know, say your name and, and get it back. It will be safe. It's an amazing amount, isn't it? Each one opens up to the whole world, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) This is a very kind of rather new ritual in the the world. It's amazing. And a very thank you that you're willing, you know, to to join in. I think it's very inspiring to see. Yeah. So, um, you know, our plan is that during the retreat in the mornings at, at 8.30 at this time, we, we usually give a, a little reflection, you know, set the tone for the day. That's, that's the intention. And then the first sitting in the afternoon, most times we're going to, you know, offer some kind of a guided meditation. And in the evenings after the, you know, there would be a little bit chanting and sitting, and then uh, a short toilet break, and then we give a Dhamma talk, or there will be also two sessions of question and answers, and there will be, you know, pieces of paper, you can write your question down and put it in a basket, and then Ayananabodhi and I pull out the questions and answer as many, you know, as, as we can within a certain amount of time in the evening. And uh, today, you know, I'd like to give a little, uh, of a little reflection on, on the, what's called the four postures. Sitting, standing, walking and, and lying down. And, you know, meditation can be practiced in all of the four postures. And, you know, we're usually kind of a little bit one-sidedly uh, attached more to the sitting posture because, you know, it, that can bring like a certain amount of, of calm or, or kind of tranquility. And, and some people think, you know, walking meditation is like a second-rate meditation. But actually in our schedule you have seen there's kind of regular every morning is two periods of walking meditation and every afternoon as well. So you know, in, in the way how we practice and, and also how we have been taught, you know, walking meditation is actually an important uh, part of the practice because it's a it's a very good way of integrating the practice, you know. So when we are getting up and, you know, there's a lot of walking happening in our lives, you know, and and that's like a way how if we do practice walking meditation, then we can bring, you know, the practice of mindfulness 
much easier like into our daily lives you know walking to the bus walking down the aisle in the supermarket or you know walking to walking between places in the where, where we work so it's it's a very practical way you know of integrating the cultivation of mindfulness into our daily lives and here on the retreat you know we especially have an opportunity you know to to get a feel for that so that it's then easier to remember it in daily life and um also want to say that you know walking might not be working for everybody because some people might have some you know physical challenges which then doesn't allow them to walk so then while we have the walking uh, meditation periods if if walking is not an option for you or or very painful for you at the moment then you could just uh you could lie down in the back of the hall or if that isn't an option then you could also like stand you know and if you feel like not very steady maybe stand behind the chair and hold on a little bit to the back of the chair when you start to feel a bit unsteady that's also fine so there is you know some alternatives to the walking and you know there's is a great power in the simplicity of that practice to just you know just being aware of the posture of the body and then also you know kind of continuing to be aware when we are changing the posture and you know if we can like pay attention to that 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 that's a way you know how we can integrate the practice into daily life because there's a lot of changing of posture you know So I think this is especially important is you know this transition times between doing one thing and then doing the next thing or between you know being in one posture and then being in another posture you know kind of changing into another posture that's really like uh an invitation to just continue with being aware and you know and if we can do that if we can pay attention to that it will be much easier to to do that in our daily lives as well and the instructions have, i'm i'm reading it out here for you it's they're just like extremely simple you know and it doesn't sound like anything very much but to be able to to stay with the simplicity this is what is empowering you know for the body uh, for the mind for and for the heart and for the mind to be able you know to stay with the simplicity because you know as as this whole cell phone ritual also shows you know we tend to be like used to a high degree of complexity and and you know sophistication and 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 being uh, you know the awareness is just kind of very scattered and and the simplicity of just noticing the four postures and the changing between those four postures actually brings the mind back to a very kind of simple truth you know and that you know and together to rein the mind in from the amount of 
you know, breaths. It is usually attending to in daily life to come back to this very simplicity. That is a bit of a kind of, you know, it's a bit of a, it's unpleasant really. It's like raining, raining the mind in, you know, but not losing, you know, not losing, the, not kind of suppressing it and, and kind of nailing it down but it's in, in a skillful way, you know, with, with, with kindness and with, with a, you know, with a, with a softness, really. So we don't want to lose the energy, but we want to kind of contain it, you know. Like if you have like a little, kind of little dog or, or a little child, you know, going, going a little bit kind of crazy, you know. We hold it like this, and just let it, let it, let it cool, let it cool down, you know, in with not by kind of beating it up or, you know, not with any, not with brute force, but with, with kindness and and like a flexibility, you know, being able to kind of move with it a little bit, and then letting it find its own middle, you know, and supporting that. And in the text says, you know, again, monks, when walking, one knows I am walking. When standing, one knows I am standing. When sitting, one knows I am sitting. And when lying down, one knows I am lying down. Just that, you know. And then, you know, the whole Dhamma can be revealed in this fathom-long body. You know, that means, you know, by, by paying attention to the body in this way, the Dhamma will reveal itself. And, and how does this simple practice reveal the Dhamma? Because, you know, it does strengthen continuity of awareness if we pay attention to the postures and the, to the changing of postures. That's, that's one way how it reveals the Dhamma. Because if we pay, you know, if we have more capacity for continuity of awareness, not just picking out, you know, being aware of what we like to be aware and turning away from what we don't want to know. So the more, you know, we can keep steady with the continuity, the more we will see about the way things are, you know. And it's, it's not a complicated practice. It can be, you know, brought pretty easily into our daily lives, you know, if we have cultivated a certain continuity of awareness. And, you know, in, in, the, in the suttas is mentioned, like at the time of the Buddha, there were like arahants, you know, like seven-year-old arahants. And, and simply is because they could they could kind of they could you know they could follow the the simplicity of the instructions. So it wasn't necessarily you know that one had to have a very sophisticated understanding of the teaching, but to have enough faith and enough conviction, you know, to be able to. To attend to the to the simplicity of, of such instructions, you know, as as about the four postures, and 
you know, Ananda, who was the uh, attendant of the Buddha over many, many years and who had a photo, you know, who had a very kind of keen um, memory. He also memorized, you know, all the teachings of the Buddha. And, you know, after the Buddha's passing away, there was like a, a council to, to um, you know, for all of, for 500 uh, enlightened disciples to, you know, go through the whole, the t whole teaching of the Buddha and, and find a way to preserve it. And Ananda, who had actually this very, had the best memory of, of anybody, but he wasn't invited to the council because he hadn't realized full awakening yet. And uh, so he was really trying to break this really hard because he knew there is just very little time left. And then he, he practiced and practiced and what he did notice is he was straining too much. So he just thought, okay, I'm just going to take a rest. And then he actually when he made the decision, I'm going to take a rest. And he was just going and going to his bed and lying down. And in the moment when his head just hit the pillow, you know, it's written in the scriptures, this is when he realized full awakening. In the moment, you know, when he, when he let go, you know, because the awakening is actually... It's not an accumulation of anything, but it's the result of letting go. So the moment the head hits the pillow, he might let go. You know, and then he could attend to the council and and so on and so forth. So that's also an encouragement, you know, for us. It's 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 all about letting go, you know, in all the three schools of Buddhism the essence, you know, of what has to be realized is not that we have to get something we don't already have, but it's more like putting down all of the conditioning, you know, which has been accumulated. That's it's what we are training in, you know. And this is why, for example, paying attention to the four postures and to the changing between the postures this, the simplicity of that instruction supports that process of, you know, letting go of the additional baggage, you know, we have accumulated in this lifetime or over many other lifetimes, you know. And then, you know, what else we can learn, you know, when we are paying attention to the postures is to the mind states, you know. For example, if you are doing walking meditation, you might just feel like, oh, there's like a certain momentum of rushing, you know, of leaning into the future, which, you know, because my life is, is a very high pace, for example, I, I might have developed that kind of, you know, as soon as I'm walking, I feel like I have to gonna get there very quick. And then even you're on retreat, you know, that momentum is still in the system. So when you're doing the walking meditation, paying attention, you might notice that, you know. <clears throat> or when lying down, you know, sometimes you might notice in the mind there's this kind of wanting to just kind of get away from everything, you know. The lying down is, is, is there's this underlying, you know, the mind wanting to just crash out and not be here, you know, like a certain not wanting 
any contact. You know, so when you are doing this kind of meditation, you can also look, you know, what is the accompanying mind state. And um, so the purification, you know, of, of, of the mind from all of those conditioning layers, you know, it can happen in all four postures. And and there's this saying of Ajahn Chah where he said, you know, some say the longer you sit, the wiser you must be. And then he said, I have seen chickens sitting on nests days on end. You know, and they haven't become enlightened either. So wisdom comes from being mindful at all times, you know. And this is what we can really train ourselves in, you know, to pay attention not only to the posture, but also to the changing of the posture. You know, and at the same time, then what we also can become aware of, and I just go very shortly into that, is becoming aware of the three characteristics, you know, impermanence, changing between the postures. And then what is it what motivates us to change posture? It's it's pain, you know, or discomfort, sometimes just a very little bit, you know. And we immediately move, we are, we are not even paying attention what motivates us to move, you know. And then through continuing to practice like this, what, what we also become aware is, is, you know, who actually is doing the walking, who actually is behind all of this, you know. And what becomes clear is there's nobody behind all of this. There's the knowing and the object which is known. But there's nobody kind of doing this. And and I remember my first teacher, Ajahn Buddha Dasa, he was always giving, you know, when I started to meditate in the late 80s and I had no uh, understanding, you know, of the of the of the Buddha's teaching or anything, he was always say, after you know, gave a medi- uh, he gave a Dhamma talk and then we would go back to the meditation um, accommodations, he would say, walking without a walker. And I felt like, oh, this is very profound what he's saying there, but I don't get it, you know, what he's really meaning. So, but I thought, you know, over time, I, I, over the years, you know, it will sink in. And he would say, walking without a walker, living without a liver, which was kind of quite funny. And so, you know, just kind of giving, giving us uh, a little challenge, you know, to kind of look into the mind and see, is there, what is there? And that's also a way, you know, how you can look into practicing with the four postures. And, you know, the Buddha did quite, it's mentioned in the suttas, Buddha did uh, walking meditation early mornings or, for example, after the meal, you know. Because after the meal is kind of, you know, the all of the energy is here in, in that area digesting the food and we can easily become drowsy. So that's a very good time also for walking meditation. And in the scriptures there is mentioned the five benefits of walking meditation. I'd just like to share that with you at the end. 
like what we can cultivate with walking meditation is stamina for long journeys, stamina in meditation, and then one has few afflictions, uh, bodily afflictions, as has it supports good health, uh, digesting well, number four. And number five is concentration attained by walking meditation lasts a long time. So that's the, the five benefits of walking meditation. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's effective in developing calm and inside. So both, you know, both legs or both sides of the coin in a meditation can be developed through walking meditation. And you know, I'd like to ask: Who of, is there anybody who doesn't, uh, who has never done any walking meditation? Could you indicate that I get an idea? Okay, just just three or four people, not many. But I think I just want to give you know like a short explanation about that and you can do the walking meditation either inside or outside I think there is some you know you can do it out there and also downstairs isn't it there's place for walking meditation or doing it outside in the summer you know when it's warm it's very nice to do it without shoes because you have more like of a you know experience of the, of the feet touching the earth but now this is not an option for this time. And and then we, we choose like a certain path and we make a decision, you know, where the path starts and where, where it ends. And kind of, you know, if it's outside, maybe like put a twig or a stone or something so that you're very clear where the path begins and where it ends. So you don't have to every time, you know, make a decision. Now I'm turning around. So that is simplifying the exercise. So very clearly designating a path and then and then standing on one end of the path. Sister, would you be willing to demonstrate? Yeah, Emily, thank you. That's great. So Emily will demonstrate for us. So, for example, Emily stands here at the beginning of the path and then you're just standing there and, you know, center yourself in the body. And you can have your hands either on the side, in the front, or in the back, you know, whatever you feel comfortable for your body. And you can also change, you know, while, while you're doing the meditation. And then your gaze is about a, a, a yard or so in, or two in front of you on the, on the path. And then you start walking to the end of the path. And the awareness, the mindfulness is with the the foot soles touching the ground. You know, and every time, you know, when your mind goes off into thinking about this and that, you just bring it back. And then you come to the end of the path and then you're turning around and you know that you're turning around while you're turning around. You're not, not thinking about it saying, I'm now turning around. This is not needed, you know. But you just feel how it feels, you know, in the body if you are turning around. And that's it, you know. And then turn around and walk up again. And the tempo, you know, 
how we are kind of practicing it is it's just like a normal tempo even like a little could be a little bit quicker than what you're walking emily but also it's it's you know what what you find what you find useful you know let's say if you're feeling especially kind of agitated you may maybe making effort to walk a little bit slower you know and if you feel maybe quite tired, you might walk just a little bit brisker, you know, to, to bring up some energy. And then what is also important is, you know, please don't cross paths with somebody else. And, and, you know, just make an economic use of the space, especially if it's raining, you know, and we have to all be inside. We have to just uh, be sensible with how we choose our walking path so that many people can um, find, you know, a place to walk. I think that's important. Thank you, Emily. So, and when walking, just walking. When standing, just standing. When sitting, just sitting. And when lying down, just lying down, you know. And then that's, of course, easier said than done. And then the mind, you know, is doing a million things. But and as, as soon as you're noticing it, just coming back, you know. And then also what I wanted to say, when you do the lying down meditation, there is like a certain amount of danger, you know, falling asleep, especially if it's, if it's just after a meal. So one way is please keep, you can keep your eyes open. That really helps you know and then some people also uh you know when they're doing you can lie down on one side if that is really difficult because of physical limitations which it might be you know you could just do some extra little things you know which prevents you from falling asleep for example you could pull up your 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 legs you know in the with the knees up that might also help, you know, that you're not so easily going to go to sleep. Or you could, your hand, your arms, you know, instead of having them lying next to you like this, you could just have them like this, you know, and when they start like going down, it's a, it's a sign for you, oops, you know, open your eyes, just bring some some energy into the posture. So the lying down meditation, you know, it can very easily go into sleep. So we really need to be aware of that, you know. And you know, just it's it's really about familiarizing ourselves with simplicity. And, uh, you know, that's, it's just like kind of startles the mind a little bit, you know. But this is really what it is. It's, it's about putting down, you know, putting down, putting down all of this momentum of life in the 21st century, you know, which is dominated by these little pieces, you know, of equipment, which like... You know, we have been, you know, inventing that in order to simplify our lives. But <laughs> what has really happened, you know? 
So this is like another manifestation of, of dukkha, you know. That things are much more complex and convoluted than, you know, what was originally intended. And then we, and now that's what we have, you know. So now we need to find ways to to use these machines, but not being used by them, you know. And and this kind of a practice can help us, you know, to find the middle way between, you know, becoming a victim of the cell phone and not you know, and throwing the whole thing out of the window and, and not participating, which is actually not really an option, you know. So now we want to find a way so we can use the machines. And for that, you know, the training in simply, in, in, uh, you know, being able to simplify if we choose to, that's, it's a very powerful way of doing that. And today, you know, by doing this ritual and now having this whole heap here of mobile phones, you know, this is just like a really a powerful symbol, you know, of having understood the importance of training the mind in this way. It's, it's a really beautiful uh, statement, you know, we have made together. So now we have like another 25 minutes we can sit and then after that is, is a period of walking meditation. Uh, do you want to say anything which I might have forgotten or so? Nothing? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.